It is just a minute shy for being uh, 15 minutes before uh, 11. At 11, we have the news coming up. Our guest now is uh, joining us uh, all the way from uh, Naptosa, Executive Director of Naptosa, Basil Manuel. Thank you so very much for being patient with us, Basil. Thank you. We appreciate you and uh, we appreciate your time. Good evening, Patricia. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, Basil, we are back to school for most inland schools and those who are in the coastline start on the 19th next week. But the question has always been around the rotational classroom timetable. And this is what's going to happen again this year. Is, is, is it feasible still? Do we still need it? Is it going to work? Patricia, that's the big debate. Look, there is no doubt that uh, it was necessary at a time. There's no doubt that we still have vastly overcrowded schools in many of our mainly impoverished areas. Um, and then, of course, it is, there's, there's no doubt about the losses of, learn, of learning that our learners have suffered, the, the vast gaps that have now been created. So we're sitting on the horns of a dilemma um, what is it that we need to do? Most importantly, what trumps what? And um, from Aptosa, we have been saying, and our teachers have been saying, people, we are tired of the, um, the rotational system. We are not seeing our learners sufficiently. It's impacting on the quality of our teaching, let alone the impact on the learners who are now doing 50% of a year's work. And when it comes to the, the, the littlest of our learners, the grade ones, the grade twos, the grade threes, they need daily contact to consolidate the basics of reading, of writing, of mathematics. And they haven't been able to do so in two years. Tragically, Patricia, uh, we're going into um, grade three this year with a group of learners who are battling to read basics. That's on the one side of the scale. Mm. On the other side of the scale, you have 2022 matriculants who have had 50% of grade 10, 50% of grade 11. What do we expect them to do in matric? The, the mountain they have to climb is unimaginable. So we've got that worry that concerned the real proven losses that we have to juxtapose against. Uh, is, it, is the time right? Are we able to? What will the health fallout be if learners go back into an overcrowded class? And this is our dilemma. There's a huge dilemma that's on your hands um, as, as uh, uh, teachers' unions, as uh, educators, as well as, uh, you know, students and the parents. But the one thing that we shouldn't, you know, ignore is the fact that in a lot of communities, this rotational timetable didn't necessarily work to the advantage of the students because some end up not even going back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and some were left vulnerable on the days that, or the weeks that they were not at school, um, to to abuse and molestation and hunger. So then, w- this particular move, on the one hand, might assist in curbing COVID nineteen. 
but it's not assisting the learning process, nor is it assisting stability for the children and safety for them. And that is exactly where we're standing now, Patricia. To that end, tomorrow, we will meet with Professor Mahdi, Shabir Mahdi, not as Naptoza, but as all the teacher unions. We've worked through this together. We've fought the fight. We've stood together on many of the issues. And we've always said we've got to listen to the science. So we are meeting with him early tomorrow morning. Uh, and the primary reason for this meeting is, is to say, talk to us. Tell us uh, what you see as, as the future in terms of the, the lifespan of this pandemic. And are there signs? that things are abating, as so many reports seem to suggest. And at what point can we say it is safe? Given all these very things you've just said, Patricia, the, 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 the losses of learning, the food story, for heaven's sake, we have a whole rash of young, young children who have fallen pregnant in the last year, 10-year-olds. How do we justify that? And and there are, and I can carry on, there's a litany of things that we can mention. And this is where our true concern is. And let me say every single one of the unions is agonizing over this. And uh, so we need to, see, we're seeking guidance from people who know better than we do. We, we have to defer to, to the scientists. And then, of course, Thereafter, we will also engage uh, the ministry and uh, COGTA, of course, who, who is the, the agency at the moment that, remember, has published the, the laws. And not Angie Mochecha can change this at will. No, it is there. It's part of, of the uh, Disaster Management Act and the regulations that fall under that. So... Only once another decision has been taken can we actually even consider that. That is why um, schools have had to reopen this week in the interior provinces in the uh, old-fashioned fashion of COVID, where we have this uh, rotational time timetabling. And Patricia, I need to make a correction in the minds of a lot of people. Uh, it was suggested that all primary schools will be back uh, you know, fully. Uh, that's not true. Uh, more than 70% of primary schools can't be back fully because uh, they can't maintain the social distancing of one meter. There are too many children. Now, having said that, I also need to, to lament that the department has had two years to try and make some changes in the overcrowded schools. And now I'm talking about mobile classes to reduce numbers, and not a single classroom has been erected. And that's a tragedy. Oh, man. A-teamers, we're in conversation with Executive Director of Naptosa, Basil Manuel, talking about uh, the way the new school 
um, academic year or calendar has started. It started off and we are going back to rotational classroom timetables. It is uh, one of those that uh, is causing quite a lot uh, you know, of a stir up. Let me hear from you what your thoughts are as a parent, as um, an educator. How do you feel about uh, the going back to a rotational classroom? What are your thoughts on 011-714-2006? Or you can WhatsApp 0614104107. SMSs go to 41391. I'd really love to hear from you with regards to what your thoughts are as a parent. Now, Basil, in terms of school capacity... Why is it that we could not increase the capacity from the basic education department's point of view, whether bringing in container classrooms, um, sanitation, everything must be there. I mean, we've got portable toilets, portable water that can be brought in. Um, um, classrooms can be containers, you know, that are really lovely looking with aircon and everything else that's needed. Why were these things not done? It's been two years so that at least we know that a classroom will not be overcrowded. There will be enough teaching staff resources. Enough children can come to school with a proper timetable. Why are we not taking or seeing the government departments taking decisive and proactive steps? Patricia, if I honestly knew the absolute reason, I would share it. But I will. Well, what I'm doing now is speculative. Is it that the capacity is not there? Is it that people hoped that this uh, virus would just evaporate, notwithstanding the fact that the scientists told us from the beginning that this is going to be with us for, for a while to come? Or is it as so many of our provincial departments are saying, we have no money. Uh, money has been diverted to, to the COVID uh, issues around PPE and the like. Whatever the reasons are, we have failed. And the department has failed the, the children of the country. Because, Patricia, above all else, Sometimes we speak in terms, and an impression is created that everybody is suffering the same fate. The black child is the child that is not getting a full education in the main. The poor child is the child that is not getting the full education in the main. In reality, the children in your better off schools, the children that are advantaged and have been traditionally advantaged, many of them have been able to return. Alternatively, have had online lessons. So when we talk, let's not create the impression that this is an even suffering across the board. It is not. And, of course, the children that need the most upliftment are the children that are not gaining any advantage from this uh, rotation learning. And that is why, Patricia, in our view, it's unsustainable because the deficits are going to be with us for a long time to come. Let me go to the lines. We've got Aisha on the line. Good evening, Aisha. Good evening, Patricia, and good evening to your guests. I, 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 I really like him. Whenever he speaks, it's, it's like he's speaking out of my heart. All I want to say to Mr. Manuel is tomorrow when you go to that meeting, all you unions stand together. Our children must go back to school full stop. Uh, 
I was listening last night to the school dropout. Something like 500,000 children. The mm-hmm. children must go back to school full time. That's it. That's all that I want to say. Aisha, I just want to ask you something. And then what can be done in terms of making sure that the children are safe from, um, you know, spreading COVID-19 and contracting it? The Department of Education, like Mr. Manuel said, must put up those containers or whatever it takes. Thank you very much. I hear you loud and clearly. And I'm sure uh, uh, Basil is hearing you as well. Thank you, Aisha. Have a good evening. Basil, yeah, Aisha is, uh, uh, you know, standing uh, on the point that tomorrow, go to that meeting and make sure that the kids go back to school. That's the heart of a parent. That's the heart of a sensible person. That's the heart that says, can we afford this? What is the legacy that we are leaving our children? Will they thank us for this? Now, Patricia, we've heard a lot of the science about rates of infection amongst younger children, etc. And we're pinning our hopes on the fact that uh, the statistics must show that uh, children, whilst a number of them, a large number have been infected, particularly in this round, uh, it hasn't been serious illness. And I'm hoping that that is still the case. But we are going in there with a hope and a prayer that whatever uh, the science, wherever the science is leading us, it is going to take us closer to bringing all the learners back. Let me add, Patricia, that one of the other proposals we've made is that if we can't get everybody back right now, let us start with all the junior primary classes and all the most senior classes, grade 10, 11, and 12, and grade 1, 2, and 3, because we've got to get more pupils back into the system. Uh, Going to school is a habit, you know. And um, the the good lady who phoned in spoke about the the dropout rate. We will test whether the figure is as high as has been mentioned. But the reality is more children have dropped out. The reality is they have fallen out of the habit of attending school. Our biggest challenge, even if the doors are flung open tomorrow, is to get the children back into school. That is going to be a major mountain to climb. Yeah, a major mountain indeed. Um, uh, uh, Thank you very much, uh, Basil, you know, just for standing up for our young ones and for ensuring that, you know, we are listening to the voice of reason, not only for ourselves, but also for educators, because it's difficult for them to navigate, um, you know, making sure that children get the right pass rate, but at the same time, they are not seen um, enough during the year. So the work that you're doing is outstanding and I do hope that the meeting goes well tomorrow. Uh, Hopefully we'll be able to catch up with you to hear what the outcomes are. Thank you, Patricia, and good night to you and your your listeners. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so very much. Uh, That was Basil Manuel, who's the executive director of Niptosa. It's a minute uh, to uh, 11 and uh, Greg Coase is waiting uh, to give us uh, the news at 11 o'clock on the dot. For now, let me just...